Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and giving excerpts about the exceptional. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk Digital. I'm Audrey Naidu and you can connect with me on LinkedIn or follow us on Instagram at TalkDigitalZA. According to AC Nielsen and the Interactive Advertising Bureau, total ad spend for South Africa in 2020 was just over $41 billion, with 18% year-on-year growth in digital media. Due to COVID and shifting consumer behavior, we have seen a decline in spend in TV, radio, out of home, print and cinema, but a huge increase in digital spend, especially in streaming, digital video and audio channels. As marketers, we still use the traditional and digital terminology in large part because the market still talks in this lexicon. But the reality is that we have moved on to thinking about channels in terms of strategies and messaging we are planning. We've also began to use the term tradigital when referring to traditional media that now offers digital components. Today we will explore this new integrated marketing space and delve into what the future looks like. My guest is Sadika Fakir. Integrated Media and Digital Director at Tiger Brands, sharing her experience and thoughts around this topic. Welcome to the podcast, Sadika. How are you doing? Thank you, Audrey. I'm great. How are you? I'm well. Listen, I have not had a guest from Consumer Goods Market before, so thank you for sharing your time with us. Pleasure. Thank you. It's an absolute honor to be joining you. Yeah, Sadika, I understand that your passion lies in food, cooking, Food content production and food photography, which is very interesting. When did this passion for food begin? Audrey, it's been a lifelong ambition. In fact, I wanted to become a professional chef. And ultimately, growing up in an Indian household, as you would know, uh, if it wasn't commerce or medicine or law, it wasn't going to flight. And I've always been passionate, one, about food, but also about marketing. So I had the best of both worlds by following a career in in marketing, going in for the commerce career. But I promised myself that whilst I didn't go the professional chef route, food would be at the base of everything I stand for. And food would ultimately be my past, my present and uh, my future. So it has been a lifelong uh, passion of mine. And it's consistently being, should I say, founded and uh, consistently brought alive by every experience I have with food. Growing up, food creates memories as you engage with others, as you see other foodies, as you engage on social platforms. The, the passion just ignites further and further. I particularly am passionate about positioning Indian food on the map uh, in Africa, in the Middle East and around the world. And I think it has a, a, a stigma attached to it. And I feel that my biggest purpose is to position Indian food, whether it's North Indian food, South Indian food, Central Indian food, as really a cuisine uh, to be contested with. No, that's amazing. I love food. And yes, um, Indian food is my favorite, absolute favorite. Do you have a blog or something that you promote this? You know, you spoke about the continent and different cuisines. 
Yes. So uh, I, uh, so Hemant, my husband and I do this together. We're both passionate foodies. And I think it's so awesome when a husband and wife duo are this passionate about food because we share the same passion. So, which means we'll go to the same places. We shoot our content together. Uh, he's also uh, into food content production as well. So we share this on uh, TikTok, so our, our um, my handle. We're in the process of creating our own platform, but on my handle on Instagram, you'd see a lot of our food journeys. And we've been uh, blessed enough to also get some exposure on television. We've done a few content blocks and we've done a few cookery uh, cook-alongs uh, on a couple of TV shows. That is really awesome uh, to have a side hustle that you're really passionate about. So Sadika, we have a lot to talk about today and um, you know, both of us share this passion in marketing as well. And today we, we're looking at digital transformation from a unique perspective. We know that the advertising industry in South Africa is massive, amounting to about 41 billion on the last stats I've seen. But we've seen with COVID and the changing consumer behavior um, that um, digital is just growing. What is the state of marketing integration and taking that into perspective? Yeah, I think uh, what I've noticed uh, particularly is they... uh, Facts are facts. There's been more than a 30% increase in media consumption. So we'll start there, right? Because ultimately, integrated marketing communications is guided as to where the consumers are. And as the pandemic hit, we found ourselves consuming a lot more media, uh, particularly uh, on the vid- in the video space. And in the video space, we're talking about television, whether it's live television, paid for television, streaming television, or video on social platforms. So we saw that coming through. And then in turn, from an integrated marketing perspective, as marketers, we fundamentally had to start shifting where consumers are. So we had to start shifting our integrated marketing mix, one. And two, we needed to start communicating to consumers in a way that was relevant to them. Yes, but do you see that, you know, uh, within that that marketing mix um, and media channels, are we seeing that traditional media is slowly moving to the shadows? In fact, I don't, uh, Audrey. Uh, I think very slowly. In fact, let me let me go very slowly. Offline media still has a place in uh, the continent, uh, in the world, in fact. Uh, Some of the data uh, points that we've seen is television still continues to be the biggest medium in South Africa. Uh, The the magic happens when we start, and this is my passion for integrated marketing, and I know yours as well within the digital landscape, is the growth and the immense growth of digital and how digital needs to be synergized with television. I still believe that there is room for television But the challenge to marketers, the challenge to agency partners, and the challenge to publishers and media owners, how do we start using television differently? And how do we start synergizing television with digital? And I think that I've seen a lot of that, uh, those type of ad units and synergies coming through. For example, Twitter uh, going completely uh, in sync with TV with their Amplify ad product. I've, I've been exposed to TV plus strategies. So using TV and YouTube, um, you know, using your traditional right. TV creatives uh, and then building on uh, video upon it. The thing is, I mean, right. we are going to talk about that creative challenge and uh, not getting that right as well, because, 
you know, we know that uh, over 50% is reliant on good communication, your messaging structure. Uh, all of that is key in this integrated marketing um, principles. Correct, Audrey. I think it's so imperative. It's, um, I think our job as marketers has become highly complex and especially what we deem as technical specialists be, being in the media and digital and advertising space. We really can't just sign off media schedules anymore and uh, pray and hope that the, uh, the communication is going to be right. We have to be fundamentally involved in one, the channel selection, understand the platform that we are advertising on or placing our ads, understanding the audience that we're targeting, and then it moves into the communication space. Now, most marketers uh, uh, have multiple agency partners, and I think that's where the complexity lies. Uh, most marketers have an above the line or what uh, they refer to as the lead agency that leads in communication strategy. Then there's a digital creative agency. Then there, in some instances, is a specific social media agency or a social listening agency. Then there's a PR agency. Then there's an SEO or performance agency in some instances. And then there's a media agency. So I've already, and a below the line agency, of course, I've already put five parties on the table right now, and we're talking integrated marketing communications. Complexity? Absolutely. Then the further complexity we find ourselves in is multiple social platforms on digital or multiple platforms. And the, the critical thing here for me is what works on a programmatic display banner will not work on a CRM mailer and will not work on a shop to buy ad or a carousel ad. We've seen the advent of video uh, taking over our news feeds in, um, in social media. And now we're seeing the portrait view versus the landscape view, right? So ultimately, we have a creative challenge. And now I've, I've sounded like the, the, the doom and gloom of digital transformation and integrated <laughs> marketing, but there is a solve around this. The solve is a behavioral and a process thing. And what I found to, to work is ensuring that we're doing integrated briefing sessions with our agency partners. So everyone in a room, well, a virtual room, uh, I know we're slowly starting to get back into the office, so we will soon be in rooms together. And uh, it's one brief. Uh, for the longest, we've had a brief for digital, a brief for above the line, and a brief for media. But the first way to drive this integrated marketing communications mix and uh, keeping the fact that there are nuances for each channel, particularly digital, they're, they're immense nuances in, the, in that channel that we have one briefing session and we rely on our agency partners to collaborate. The last thing you want is a revert at, at revert stage for creative approval that the digital agency has gone and recommended uh, Facebook and uh, what was recommended by the media agency was actually a TikTok takeover uh, and a TikTok challenge. Fundamentally, the creative is not going to speak. So we've noted and, and it's continues to be a work in progress and practice, but we've taken the big leap to integrated briefings, integrated reverts, and then integrated debriefs as well, where we as internal teams, I would work with the marketing teams and my team would work with the marketing teams to give an integrated piece of feedback back that all agencies receive the same feedback. Yeah, and just to add to what you're saying in terms of the solve, I would also see marketing automation playing a huge role in trying to put all of the different parts together, driving efficiency, communication, and streamlining that process. 
Certainly, Audrey, and that's uh, I actually didn't even touch on that. That's probably a topic all on its own, right? True. And it's exactly that. What can be automated in um, uh, in uh, our mix, and that's particularly in that space where uh, we're starting to delve further and further in understanding uh, the, the sample of one or personalized journeys for our consumers as well. So I just want to touch on something pertinent in terms of what I'm observing in the industry. Uh, it's it's the role of marketing operations to get this kind of formula right or to correct the past or maybe to reinvent that a process that works for all. Um, what's your view on that in terms of, you know, how brands, I mean, not all brands are fortunate enough to have a marketing operations unit that assists in this. But do you think it's also, you know, a, a critical area in the, in, within marketing that needs to take ownership and responsibility for this? It is fundamental. And uh, whilst there wouldn't be a specific ops units in, in most companies, uh, in larger companies, you find the division called group marketing. And within group marketing, you'd have your center of excellence where you'd have representatives of media, digital, CRM, loyalty, advertising, brand, um, and so forth. They're, they're different for each of the, um, the organizations. And I think it needs to come from center of excellence perspective because there could be multiple segments under the, the brand or there could be multiple brands. So the brand uh, or group that I represent has nine active categories with 35 active brands at any given time. So each with different GLs, each, each with different positionings, each, each with different marketing objectives. However, what we do from a group perspective is to lay down and suggest and support the principles for appropriate process. And then the marketing teams can utilize that. And then further to that, we need to assist our marketing teams to operationalize their campaigns. So briefing is one, but laying down principles for campaign implementation, and, and sorry to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but we are in an operational function. We can't just sit up at the strategic overview because in the detail, that's where the success or the crux of the campaign will either make or break. Now, when it also comes to marketing operations, whilst some companies may not have the group marketing function, I believe it then sits with each of the brand representatives to sit down and lay down and also partner with your agency partners, sit down and work on a process that is conducive for agency and client because ultimately they're stakeholders at the back end of both. Now, in addition to that, what also needs to be done is, as I'm talking process, there needs to be co-accountable KPIs and measurements. There are hygiene factors in, um, in the digital space and the media space and the advertising space. But what also needs to be done is what are the business targets and the business imperatives that the agency will be then co-accountable for? And then it, it's a work in progress. I, I can't say that we've hit the, the perfect <laughs> um, the perfect mix, but what we've established is that working in collaboration and it becomes a behavioral thing uh working collaboration with our agencies has certainly assisted i think you bring up key points here because it's not just about media schedules should be the last thing you should be worrying about setting up yes. this up front becomes important 
So, I mean, within Tiger Brands, you have multiple brands that you guys service from Center of Excellence, right? Yes. And do you find that it's uh, it's challenging or because you have very structured processes that it allows you to do more and actually see the value that this this new process or ways of working is bringing to the table? You know, it... Um... It's a, it's a bit of both. It certainly has been a lot of work upfront to get that integrated process going. And uh, it, 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 it required a lot of collaboration because the thing is, it's pointless. You sit in center of excellence and go, here, brand teams, here's your process. It's never going to work like that. It's never going to work like that in any organization. We all know this, right? When we get some level of a process or a mandate and go, ah, we need to see it working. So we have to get our hands dirty and we have to ensure that our agency partners are on board. So it's certainly been complex because um, we do our annual planning and uh, we have to have one overall integrated brief. However, bearing in mind, the landscape is dynamic and changes in business. So every quarter, we probably have to go back to our integrated marketing strategy, in turn, our integrated channel plan and look at it and see how we're going to tweak. So agility is really critical in this process. So the process stands as in your annual planning to assistant budgeting, setting your KPIs, setting your measurement dashboards, which is exceptionally important. But then I go back to, you consistently have to be on the ball to ensure that you are always tweaking the campaign based on landscape changes. Uh, I think what I found the benefit with this process is we've saved a lot of time. And I think time is critical and we've afforded the agencies critical time uh, to actually think. So we've in the process, we've actually put timelines in to afford the agency more time to think. Now, I know it isn't always going to be the case, but it's so critical that we afford agency partners enough time to collaborate and really bring forth those amazing ideas. I think you you mentioned, you know, your creative agency and your media agency uh, were not synced in terms of what their proposal, you know, back to brand was. And that's maybe because they didn't have that time for that collaboration behind the scenes. Correct. And that was that was definitely and th- those are past experiences on previous organizations as well. But once we started giving them that level of time and a guidance of a process, so we gave we give them within our integrated brief timelines up front. And we try for a, a, at least one allowing the contract to, to have enough time with the, the, the lead agency or uh, uh, the communications agency, and then enough time for, for the comms agency or above the line agency to discuss and collaborate with the media agency, the digital agency, the PR agency, and the below the line agency. Just want to ask you maybe a silly question. Do you guys still do comstrats? Uh, well, there are what we call uh, the marketing plans or brand plans. So the brand positioning is there. And then, yes, we do move into a communication strategy that uh, that aligns to our brand positioning. The reason why I'm asking is because I'm also finding that based on talking to a number of different people, that that messaging construct or your messaging strategy is is critical and that lends itself yes. to how you contextually um, talk to your consumers, you know, in a relevant way. But then it also starts talking about, you know, that agility in terms of A-B testing or multivariate testing and making sure that you are using dynamic creative, you know, to speak to customers in that moment that matters. 
Um, so, so there's that huge component as well, which is part of that um, value chain. Correct. Correct. Because you do need as marketers something to hold up against when you are evaluating the communication strategy and the creative. We do check creative against a set matrix of evaluators, and and we did this in our previous in uh, in previous organizations uh, creative reviews. We consistently have to have a matrix to check up against. But to your point, it is so Im- imperative that we always have to cross check, and agency teams have to cross check: the, is the positioning being articulated correctly? Is the message being articulated in the right tone in the personality of the brand? So there is still absolute value and and exceptional importance to having the message construct correct, because then it affords that level of flexibility is option one or option two going to work to which audience and how then do we serve the ads? Absolutely, yes. So um, I want to pause and go back to this evolution of traditional into digital and I'm seeing that there's a new buzzword around called tra-digital, right? Tra-digital. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful, I know. But what it's saying is that, I mean, we're talking about platforms like OTT and OLV slowly capturing share of attention away from traditional TV. So if you're watching, you know, streaming services and all of that, it doesn't mean to say that it's not traditional in our traditional sense if you know what I mean I think there's a blurred line between these two worlds so what's your view on tradigital it is a blurred line now and uh, in some instances when you are in boardrooms but I'm watching Netflix yes but it's not live TV there, there is such a blurred line at this point but uh, just drawing in on a Cantor study I was actually reading that during 2021, marketers actually favored digital channels uh, most strongly with, to your point, OLV uh, taking some of the highest investment. So telling us that the trajectory is moving to as the consumer is moving. Now, we kind of understand um, that it's a different creative mix and route to market that you have to take when we're talking OLV. And that's something that is going to be very important as we go forward for marketers to understand that, and I'm going to be sound silly, it isn't placing a 30-second ad anymore. It's a very different type of placement, and it's really understanding the channel. This is where I come in to go, we need the platform in the room. And in some instances, because the technology changes so quickly, you need the partnership between agency, brand, and the actual platform representing the ad, the specific ad unit that you are intending to purchase and the uh, representing the audience that you intend uh, targeting. This is especially so for social platforms and the new ad units that are coming through, especially for click to buy and especially for the video, uh, video formats. Yes, so yeah, there are a number of... I wouldn't say issues, like I feel like concerns because we seem to be moving into overproduction of video assets. And yet we're just praying and praying because you're finding your video assets are not aligning back to the consumer journey. Um, Because I think content plays a critical role. You and I actually spoke about it when we had our conversation. Is the role of content strategy 
within this new integrated uh, marketing mix. Correct. You know, it's it's a concern of mine as well, Audrey. In some instances, in previous examples, previous organizations, when I was in the agency environment, you wanted to produce five or six for the benefit of trying to test or you were worried about ad wear out. But on the other hand, where we are starting to establish that if you do not have enough media weight behind the execution or the, uh, the machine tells us that that specific ad uh, or piece of content is not performing, that you need to be able to be agile enough to adapt that content. Now, this is where the importance comes in, in your content pillars and your content grids. And I'm going to go back and I probably sound like a broken record that when you set your objectives with your agency, then comes your content matrix. And it sounds highly operational, but we live by a content matrix. You really need to understand what content is going out there, what content is going on which platform, and what are you producing for? You shouldn't be producing 20 pieces of content that is only going to get minimal weight behind it, because then ultimately we have then wasted production costs. So it's a fine balance between getting that content grid, being fresh and being alert uh, with uh, your creative and avoiding ad way out. But the third thing is, is enough media weight being put behind those pieces of content? So I wouldn't recommend, because video's in now, please go and produce video. Video doesn't always work on some platforms. Maybe an infographic's going to work. Maybe a carousel is going to work. Maybe a click to buy is going to work. So I go back to go understand at what stage you are in the funnel. And sorry, I have to use the word funnel, but uh, ultimately we all, all are driving to some level of sales growth, whether it's volume, whether it's transaction and so forth. I think the important thing is understand which stage you are in the funnel whether you're in the awareness phase, whether you're in the persuasion phase or consideration, and whether you're driving now down to conversion and advocacy, you then need to understand what is going to be your content communication message, then what type of pieces of content are you going to create, and then on which channel or platform. So the, the ops work must be done upfront to avoid uh, that excess uh, production of video content. Well, from what you're telling me, it seems that the secret to success lies in more the planning phase, that we should be more spend more time in that thinking about that process, thinking about the consumer journey, thinking about the data and unpacking what this means for your communication strategy versus just implementing a campaign without that thought process. Because you're right, if you don't determine what your uh, KPIs are going to be upfront and then rely on the, on the data after the campaign is run, it's actually too late because, you know, your campaign could have been unsuccessful. The The other pertinent point you brought is around analytics and, and measurement. So optimizing, being agile as you, you right. actually deploy your assets becomes critical as well. I mean, you're running a three-month campaign. You can't have one set of creative running for three months. So it, it is ad fatigue, and you've also mentioned that. And then, you know, it's exposure versus overexposure because you need to check your frequency, all of that. And then how are you using your first and second party data during this process as well? That's it, because I see CRM and uh, our loyalty as, as channels. And, you know, what I always find that the, the CRM or the loyalty component gets brought in at the last 
But knowing we're moving into this cookie-less environment, uh, knowing we have GDPR and privacy is a big talking topic and we've chatted about this as well. I think what is so critical is that CRM or the way you're communicating with consumers that have already opted into receiving communication from you needs to be actually top priority, in my view, because they've already put their little hand up to go, I'm okay with receiving communication from you. Now we can be so creative, we can be contextual, we can start learning about them. And if you give the consumer enough value to share more data points, we can start getting more personalized and getting that that dream or that utopia of understanding the sample of one and speaking one-on-one to the consumer and having, as our dream is, the single view of consumer, of course. So I think it's extremely important Uh, And Audrey, I just want to add in, whilst I go that plan, plan, plan up front, when you plan, you allow for agility to be tactical. So you've seen something from your campaign trend on Twitter, or your social listening has now said, this is trending, this is something big, and and your campaign that's currently aligning, uh, that's running, aligns to what is trending on Twitter, or there's a new TikTok challenge, and, and, and. You afford yourself that time because you're not doing lastminute.com creative executions for the actual campaign. You afford yourself that time to be strategic as you're socially listening, seeing what's trending, and go and adapt your creator to be agile to the uh, to what is out there in the, in the landscape. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. As marketers, we tend to focus more of our attention on paid media. So what's, what's your thoughts around paid, owned, and earned media in the mix? love the bought-owned earned ecosystem because I don't think we leverage enough. Uh, so yes, and uh, I suppose in the country, the focus certainly sits uh, on the paid side of marketing communications because marketers want to get their message out there. They want to build that reach. They want to bring uh, build that level of engagement uh, and they want to try and convert. However, you're sitting with assets, your owned assets. And I always stress to marketers uh, and agencies alike, make an inventory list of all of your owned assets. Uh, when I was in FinServe, we need to realize that your owned asset is actually the branch. Your owned asset is an ATM. It's a channel, but it's an owned asset. Your, uh, your actual staff members or employees on the ground are actually owned and they're a potential channel for for us so i always go well how can this be leveraged where one day there's less reliance on the paid side but we are driving engagement on our own platforms our websites and our mobile sites up to scratch from a user experience you've sold now the consumer a beautiful positioning ad either on facebook or or television or radio ad or a billboard on the road but now i come to your digital platform and I want to engage with you. I want to register or sign up. I want to purchase. I've clicked, but then the user experience there gives me something that's inferior. You've now let the brand down. And this is where it's so imperative to have an inventory list or a checklist of how your owned assets will be adapted. Audrey, I've seen a campaign or brands repositioning on TV, big positioning ad, big billboards, big digital takeovers, the works and only to go to their digital platforms to find that they didn't adapt the creative or the positioning ad to there. Isn't that a lost opportunity? So the, the biggest thing here is on the own side. And then when we're talking earned, earned, and there's a perception, earned is bad. I'm only going to get negative feedback. Uh, 
And uh, I laughed. I was with uh, the Twitter team this week. And there's that perception that if it's bad news, it's going to land on Twitter and you're going to get negative sentiment. But you can seed as brands and agencies, you can seed positive sentiment through earned media. You can seed do good. You can seed pieces of content to uh, uh, potential publishers that have good news stories that put the brand in, in good light, but are also authentic pieces of content that kind that that are kind, that are uh, relevant to the brand. And third, ensure that it's aligned to where the landscape and the conversation um, are going. So I really think that earned media is something that also gets the brief at the tail end. And that's the importance now of our PR partners of having close relationships with our publishers and media partners and working with them with their content calendars. Um, what I've learned, uh, and I've, I've have a new founded love in the past 10 years for, for PR and comms and the importance of PR and comms in the paid media space is that we get uh, the, the media publishers to send us their, uh, their themes, for example, for the year. Generally, publishers digitally and uh, on print publications and on TV have content pillars and themes. So why not start proactively sending those content pillars and themes? When I was in Pinsurf, some of the content themes on TV shows were around uh, financial tips for saving or saving for buying your new home. So ultimately, we contacted our home loans division and we decided to uh, give tips on how to get a good scoring to get your bond, for example. Uh, when we speak to our content producers now on the food side, uh, there's sometimes a need for eating healthy or breakfast on the go. So ultimately, we'd work with our cereals team and then provide that type of content out there. So it's not hardcore product placement, but you are seeding a conversation that is wanted by the publisher that in turn is demanded and, and needed by the consumer. Yeah, I mean, it does. It, it doesn't matter if you're on which vertical you are, whether you're in financial services or consumer goods or retail. Uh, the fact is the principles are the same. Uh, and how you apply them across the board becomes important. Um, there's one last point I want to touch before we close off, and that is around um, the skill set and capability to deal with this type of uh, marketing. What are your thoughts around that? You know, when you spoke about marketing ops, I actually failed to say that the second component of it is marketing capability. Yeah. Because we expect marketers to understand this. Uh, there, there are textbooks, Audrey, but I must be honest, I learned this on the ground and I'm pretty certain you've learned it on the ground as well. Uh, I, I have seen the advent of marketing academies coming up uh, at many organizations. I've uh, been privileged enough to work now for three uh, big corporates with marketing academies based in uh, into the actual group marketing function. So fundamentally meaning that skill set and capability building is exceptionally important to the marketing fraternity. Why? The same old way, the, the four Ps, six Ps, is not always going to cut it in this, uh, in this landscape. So what we did and what we've done is understand marketing capability, uh, marketing capability in the form of assessments, understanding at what level each of your marketers are playing in. Ultimately, if you have workplace students or interns coming in, they're at a specific level. You may have mid-level marketing managers, brand managers, and then you may have the more senior 
uh, uh, moving into C-suite marketers that are at a high level. But for the longest, they've built the experience in a traditional space. Now they're coming into this. In 15 years, the landscape has fundamentally shifted. Digital transformation is here. You are seeing digital transformation. You're seeing digital spend almost double in some cases. And but I'm at the top of my game, but now I need to learn digital transformation. So one size doesn't fit all in marketing capability. And this is why it's so important. And I stress the importance of marketing capability or digital capability or media capability, being embedded into agency environments, being embedded into the media owner and publisher side and being embedded into marketing teams. And again, you do not need big teams on this. Um, I always stress that there wasn't a lead uh, or uh, one headcount that headed up the Marketing Academy, we all put our hands up to volunteer to work on this because we're this passionate about growing the industry and uh, so so passionate about empowering the marketers that come into the organization to be fit for future. And I think that's what's critical. And our, our Marketing Academy, you know, you can be really clever about Marketing Academies. It doesn't always have to be paid for courses. Uh, in some instances, yes, there's formal institutions, there's formal courses that you'd have to register through in the Marketing Academy. You may have to bring in formal trainers. But we have access to media owners and publishers that have many case studies that have intel on how their platform works. They have the data and they really do a welcome training on their specific platforms. Just this week, we did a training session uh, with Ad Dynamo and Twitter for our marketers. And again, it doesn't need to be laborious. It can be a two to three hour session. What is hot on the platform? How do you use the platform? And how do you segment an audience, for example? So a marketing academy needs to be robust enough that you're not opening up 57 textbooks and you're writing an examination at the end. It needs to be agile. It needs to be fit for future. But it particularly needs to address, in my, in my view, Audrey, is digital transformation, the future of digital marketing. We really need to equip marketers with understanding e-commerce right now. Uh, because it's big, because it's bold, and because it's also a, a very ambiguous territory, especially when you're starting to understand, are you going direct to consumer versus pure play? Another aspect that needs to be trained is, for the longest, we've just disregarded CRM and um, direct marketing. Oh, it's the mailer people. But now what happens with first-party data? How are you understanding the data analytics behind that? How are you targeting contextually sample of one and personalization? And I also believe we need a further marketing capability in this specific topic of integrated marketing communications. For the longest, we've trained traditional marketers. How are traditional marketers still going to keep their fundamentals of marketing because it's exceptionally important and now enhance their uh, skill set or their careers with this digital transformation and now combine it to a perfect synergy where I'm not throwing away my experience of traditional marketing or offline, but I'm now combining it to become a powerhouse. What are you doing for yourself there? You're enhancing your career and you're positioning yourself as an integrated marketer. It's going to fare you well for the future, but you are also assisting the organization in moving forward into the space where we're moving from just everything being static into live dynamic ecosystems. Yeah, I think now more than ever, there is a huge focus on marketers to upskill. Uh, I think throughout our conversation, you made mention of marketers being technical specialists, and I completely agree. So you've got data scientists, you've got MarTech units sitting in marketing, you've got those technical specialists. So you right. need a mix and a complement of different um, 
capabilities and expertise sitting in marketing as well. And from what you're saying, just to summarize, this is just going to get harder and more complex, which is why marketers need to take the time now to upskill, be curious, be open-minded for them to learn new things. Because for me, digital transformation is a mindset first before you start building the skills. Because if you're not ready to actually absorb new ways of doing work and new ways of doing things, then you're not going to get it because it it just doesn't click, you know. It won't click for you because it's not as simple as writing a brief. You have to understand the different parts, the moving parts, that uh, makes up this this formula. So, um, yeah, I think you also touched on a few future topics for this podcast, which is quite exciting, you know, um, when um, marketing leaders like yourself see the opportunity for marketers in the future. And I think the future is now, you know, it's not something we're going to plan for two, three, four years down the line. Unfortunately, it's, it's right here, right now. So we need to grab that opportunity as marketers. It's quite an exciting space to be in. It is exceptionally exciting, so dynamic. And uh, I, I, I look back and I go, I am so grateful for taking marketing as a career, but I'm even more grateful for going double-clicking into the technical specialization of digital media and advertising into integrated marketing communications. It's never been better, and it's never been a better time now to consider this as a career. Absolutely. So, Sadika, in closing, what would be the one thing or one piece of advice you would give to marketers right now? Challenge your conventions right now and challenge where you're currently sitting and where you're headed with the view of the consumer at the center. If the consumer has fundamentally shifted and you are the consumer as well, if you have fundamentally shifted the way you consume channel, the way you consume marketing messages, It means the consumer you're targeting has fundamentally shifted as well. It's time for a rethink there. But I also believe this is the time now to rethink the way we operate with our publishers, our media owners, and our agency partners. We're all in this together, and we certainly need to collaborate more, think harder, and spend more time on the thinking to allow for exceptional execution. Sadika, thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Audrey. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at talkdigitalza.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.